Good morning. You never know on a day like today. Do you say Merry Christmas? It was yesterday, but we'll still we'll still embrace it. Because this morning we're like Rodney said earlier, we're wrapping up our series on the Christmas gifts. So many of them that we think about over the last few days, even this morning as we've I always love the Christmas season at at church as we have college students come home, a couple of our guys who are serving all over the world in the military back here this morning, get to give them a hug and and have them home. Those gifts, but also the gifts we celebrated during the Advent season, the gifts of hope, faith, joy, love, of Christ, of salvation. And this morning, we'll look at the gift of of heaven. As we do, Pastor Rodney has encouraged us as a church family to have a scripture memory passage that's tied into this sermon. So we're going to start off by jumping into that as we begin the gift of heaven. And we see that on the screen as we, as we follow along with the responsive reading. We're trying to stay awake and engaged with our kids in here this morning. We're glad they're here, but want to jump in together. So I'm going to read my part. You'll read your part, then we'll finish it together. This is from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So we come to this truth of Christmas, a celebration of God coming to us. And then that's juxtaposed, that's put on top of this day after Christmas where there's often a letdown, the Christmas blues, this, the, the, this mixture, this, this coming, this coming off the high, and then you get up the next day and turn on the radio and they're not playing Christmas stations anymore. Or you come down and yeah, I turned on my Christmas tree this morning, but it's not the same. You have this season of family and gifts and lights and excitement, but also the holes, the paint being chipped, the fact that glitter is present at all, not just missing glitter. We had my, my daughter picked out some wrapping paper this year that was all glitter. And I had to get out packing tape, like mailing tape, to get the, the glitter paper to stick together. And then I had to go shower after I was done wrapping the, the presents. So just the fact that glit, these, the, the glitter exists. We, we celebrate, but it's not as it should be. There, this idea, this idealism of Christmas summed up in a song. We sang to open up our service today, uh, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Now, R- Rodney would probably quote a, a Puritan pastor that's been dead for hundreds of years. I'm, I'm going to stick to someone who wrote our opening song. Um, his, his name's Matt Papa, um, but he, he wrote Come Behold the, the Wondrous Mystery, but talking about the, the celebrations in life, these golden moments that we have, but how they're not enough. These are scattered beams, but talking to God, you are the bright sun. These are shallow streams. You are the ocean. These are just shadows, and you're the substance. We're thirsty, we're dry, only you can satisfy. You're the ocean. So no matter how real the vision, no matter how 
awesome it is in the moment, even if it's in HD or 4D at Disney World or putting on a virtual reality headset or even Wonka vision, you can't fill those things, these things that we celebrate, they can't fill us. And that's why we come to the big picture of what the gift of heaven is. That Jesus coming to us at Christmas as a baby points ahead to his second coming as our king to be with us forever. So, as great as Christmas is, Jesus coming again is better than Christmas. That's one of those things that's hard to wrap our brains around. And even when we can wrap our brains around them, it's hard to wrap our hearts around them. That as much as we long for this, it's just a shadow. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 puts it this way. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. So that's why we celebrate Christ's first coming. And as we do that, in, it, in all of its goodness, it's not less than that, but it is more than that because we celebrate his first coming and look ahead to his second coming. The Christmas tree and the manger point ahead to the cross that points ahead to the empty tomb that points ahead to Jesus who ascended to be with his father and reigns over all the cosmos right now and Jesus returning. That's why we celebrate his first coming and we must also look ahead to his second coming when we will see him face to face. Not just a picture of a manger, but our risen savior who's looking us eye to eye. And that's the Jesus that promised us, that told us about what he was going to do when we come to our passage this morning in John chapter 14. So as we read John 14, verses 1 through 6, I'm going to ask us to stand, because the most important thing that's going to come out of my mouth this morning is reading God's word. This is what he says to us. This is what Jesus spoke to his disciples. And by extension, God's spirit, God tells us this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can be seated. So Jesus says to his disciples, says to us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, this line, which one of Jesus' sayings we come back to over and over, it's actually delivered right after some really bad news. If you look a few verses prior, Peter had said, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going to go. 
And then Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter, you're going to turn your back on me. You're going to deny me three times. And then the very next words out of Jesus' mouth, Peter, you'll deny me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. See, it's not about your success. It's not about your faithfulness. It's not about your efforts this Christmas season. It's also not the Lord making light of your challenges, your pains, your griefs that we carry in us. Christmas is hard for many of us. An empty chair, financial strains, loneliness, looking at the idealism and realizing that what I live in now is not the way I envisioned it going. But if you and I are in Christ, we don't get to just camp out there alone. We don't get to just, just to wallow in our troubled heart. We have Christ. We have Jesus in our place. And if God has given us the gift of Christmas, if God has given us his son, given us himself, he isn't holding out on you after that. There is no next bigger reveal of his grace and mercy and love and hope. He already gave us the best. We know how the story ends. We're not living in suspense about, will he, will he come through? Is it going to happen? We don't know that all the details, but we're not living in angst that a plot twist might come. We know it, and we have this foundation, and that's why we can let our hearts not be troubled. We keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's why in the Christmas story, keeping our eyes on the baby Jesus isn't enough. Wouldn't it be odd? I was thinking about this this morning as I was centering and and coming back to to the sermon that I prepared. If when my nine-year-old just turned, he just turned nine, if I had or I'm about to turn 40 now that we're through Christmas. That's, that's coming in six or seven weeks. So it, wouldn't it be odd for my 40th birthday if we, all we had was pictures of baby Kevin and we said, happy birthday, baby Kevin. And we just looked at, yes, I was born and you're welcome. Thanks, mom. Like, like welcome. Like, that's good. But if we just center on baby Jesus, the celebration of, of the birth is the entire life that he lived for us and lives now for us, that he reached out to us. That's just the beginning point. It's like just watching movie three in a seven movie series over and over and over again and not finishing the whole thing. Because not the baby Jesus, but the Jesus who, who walked among us, took on flesh, lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, the one who's now seated in all power and authority at the hand of his father. He said this, Believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in God. How can your heart not be troubled? Not because of your circumstances, but your heart is not troubled because it rests on God. This year, I didn't buy my kids any gifts that had to be assembled. So I'm thankful for that. But a few years ago, when I bought my daughter her kitchen set, She didn't have to wake up Christmas morning and put the whole thing together before she could play with it. I did it for her. A song lyric that I've been listening to over the last year, singing to God, it says something along the lines of, 
God, I wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. Yes, disappointment in my choices. Yes, coming to him and, and, and repenting and turning away from my sin. But relationally, it's not like he's going to throw his hands up in the air and go, oh, I just can't believe. He is the source of my security. He, I, my heart isn't troubled, not because I have kept all the rules today, but because I believe in him and what he's accomplished. So when Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me, He's saying loud and clear, I am God. I am God in the flesh. Believe in me. It's not a baby in a manger that you're praying to. It's the God of the universe who holds all things together in his hands. All things are from him and all things are through him and all things are for him. And he holds all things together right now. He's the one that says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He's the one who promises in verse 2 that he goes to prepare a place for us. He kindly and firmly reminds his disciples. I'll read it again. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Just like I told one of my children over and over, didn't I tell you? Yes, I will get up at six o'clock on Christmas morning. Yes, you can wake me up. But then he asks again and reassure, and I re- yes, you can come in. And we go through it over and over. Didn't I tell you? Jesus kindly and firmly says, if it weren't true, I wouldn't have said it earlier. Again, go back to this passage that from, from before, back to verse 36. Simon Peter had said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Jesus said, I told you earlier, it's going to happen. Stick with me. I told you that. And he also says, I'm going, you're going to come with me. And I'm going to my father's house in a place where there's many rooms. So he's saying, don't let your heart be troubled. The one for whom there was no room at the inn, is making sure that you will never experience that problem. He's saying, I am going, I will have a room for you. To be absent from the body will be present with the Lord. That's our hope. That's why we don't have to be troubled. He's gone to prepare a place for us, but not just that he he go and prepare a place for us, but verse 3 The same one who said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, I'm coming again for you. If I go and prepare a place, I'm going to come back for you. I'm not going to do it for nothing. I'm not going to go just prepare a house that's going to look really nice so that we can have a video tour of it. I'm going to make it for you. I'm going to come back for you. But what's so neat about verse 3? As I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. So our hope just isn't in a room in heaven, but the the focus is on he's going to come back to take you to himself, to take you where he is also. Jesus himself is the heavenly experience. He's saying... Heaven came down, I went back to be with my father, and then I'm going to take you to be with me. 
with my father. It's not just about a room. It's about being with him forever. In November, your pastor's got to go um, over to Winston-Salem for the day. And we, we, a pastor from Durham was speaking on, and his name's Andrew Davis. He just wrote a book, The Glory Now Revealed, What We'll Discover About God in Heaven. So I just like to resource something that I'm reading right now. My goal was to have it done before I preach this morning. Didn't happen over the Christmas season. But just to, if, you, if you're wondering, what is heaven like? What does this mean that heaven is the experience of God, not just a place, but being with a person? It's a great book. I'm loving just thinking through in the challenges of what does it mean if we're going to unpack his glories forever and it being better than Christmas? Not just this boring, floating around, nebulous, but what is it actually going to be to engage with him forever? So great book, recommend it, The Glory Now Revealed by Andrew Davis. But that's what we're looking ahead to. Jesus preparing a place for us, coming back for us to be with him forever. But then we look at a line from one of the disciples, from Thomas. We think of him as doubting Thomas. What is, it, what is it to be defined by your greatest mistake for millennium, millennia afterwards? He's much more than that, but he's also that. And here he's wrestling with what Jesus said. And Thomas says back to him, Jesus says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And then I feel like I can identify with Thomas really well here. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus is talking in confidence. Hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You're going to be with me. You know, you know how to do this. And Thomas is looking at this going, did I, did I, did I zone out for a minute? Like, what, what did I miss? Um, we don't know where you're go- How do we know the way? We don't even know where you're going. Like, you're going to Jerusalem. You're going back to Nazareth. Not thinking, okay, you're going to die and go to heaven. And like, just all these, these hard thoughts of trying to wrap your brain around them if you didn't grow up in church and already know the way the story ends. Put yourself in his shoes. Sometimes, like I said, I'm about to turn 40, which means I'm the oldest millennial you can possibly be. Like, so when, you, when y'all think about millennials, don't think about the youth group or the college students. Like, 40-year-olds, that's, that's where the millennials are now. So some, I'm being, being practically a 40-year-old, I can hide my millennial really well, usually, but until it comes to knowing directions. So we'll get in the car, and my wife will say, let's go here. And, I, and I'll look at her and, I, and say, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Let's just plug it in the phone. And then I'll pull up the phone, and I try to type in the name of the restaurant, and Siri doesn't recognize the name of the restaurant. So then I have to Google the name of the restaurant so I can plug in the address to know where I'm going and then follow the directions. So I think that's why I think I can, I can identify with what Thomas is saying here. Jesus, you're saying go, but you're like trying to get around town or going to a new town without my GPS on it. Just, I can't even plug it in the GPS. I don't even have categories for what you're talking about. How am I supposed to know where you're going? And that's where Jesus delivers why we can not have our hearts troubled, why we can be confident that he went to prepare a place for us, that he's coming back for us, that we're going to know the way because we know him. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is going to the Father. Jesus is going to heaven. And where he is, that's where we'll be. That's all, that's, that's the hope that we have. Jesus is the way. There's no other hoops to jump through. There's no other checkpoints to hit along the way. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve. So we put our faith, hope, trust, identity, our source of joy and love in what he's already accomplished, not in ourselves. Jesus, that's why he reminds us that he is the way, that he is the truth. He's our foundation. He's the one we know is speaking to us accurately and rightly. He's the one we can build our lives on for now and also for eternity. And that's why he says he is the life. Yeah, sometimes we say it's living the, like, living the life. We had this great Christmas experience with our family and around us. But even that's fleeting. Even if you had the, the hallmark Christmas yesterday, you're not promised to have it next year. If that's your hope and your foundation and that's where you're, you're putting your, 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 your trust, he doesn't promise you that. But he does promise you himself. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So what? What do we do with this this week, this afternoon, as we prepare our hearts for a new year? We look to Jesus, the gift of heaven, who brings us the gift of heaven. He is the gift of heaven. He brings it to us. Jesus, our only way and truth for life now and for the life to come. So it's important to think about ourselves still in the midst of the story. It's important to think not just the Advent season of going back and remembering what it would have been like to yearn for the coming of Christ, but to live today yearning for the coming of Christ It's not just a once a year thing that we have to project ourselves back to. That's how we live with hope, faith, joy, and love as we look to him every day. Christians, we're so easily distracted. I distract myself. I can jump from the Christmas distractions to end time debate distractions. We start thinking about Jesus coming back and we go in a thousand different directions there too. This is what he's promised This is what he promises here in John 14. Jesus will return in the flesh to bring Christians to be with him forever. You know that. That's our promise. That's the way the story ends. There's a lot of details in that. Don't get stuck there. Get stuck on him. Get stuck on who he is and who we are in him. His first coming points ahead to his second coming. That's where we draw the gifts of Christmas, the gifts of Advent, the gifts of walking in the Spirit as children of God day in and day out. So as we conclude this morning, as we put a bow on this Christmas season as a church family, I want to encourage you to rest in Christ and not yourself. If you're in here and you already know him, don't, you don't have to dance the dance to get the praise. 
You are his child. I wasn't going to hold back Christmas gifts from my kids if they misbehaved on Christmas Eve. They already have my heart. They already have my love because of who they are. It's my children, and that's who you are. Rest in that. Live in confidence from that. But if you're in here this morning and you don't know him personally, if the Jesus is the manger is the closest you've come to Jesus Christ himself, then give your family a Christmas gift. Give them the ability to know for sure where your heart, where your eternity lies. That when you hear the trumpet and Jesus returns in the flesh to take his children to himself, don't make them wonder about you. You can have that peace now. You can have the life and the truth now by resting in him. Give your family kids, teenagers, give them the gift of talking to them about what God's doing in your life. If you don't know where you are, if you don't know that you're putting your faith, hope, and trust in the completed work of Jesus and his death in your place and what that means, talk to them about it now. Grab one of your youth leaders now. Parents, grandparents, friends, if you're not here next Christmas, Will your family be able to look with confidence and know that there'll be a reunion one day? Do you know that you can have a peace now that can't be shaken because of what Jesus has done for you? Do you know that he's coming back for you? I want to encourage you to get that settled and not just gloss over it as the glitter fades and as the lights get boxed away. Pause this afternoon. Do business with this God that we've celebrated because he's here. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't let your heart be troubled if it's resting in him. So Noah, I'm going to ask you to come up and lead us in a time of response. And we'll give you these next moments. If you need to pray as a family, if you need to pray at the front, if you need to pray in your seats, We would love to give you this time to reflect, time to put a bow on your Christmas season, time to sing to our risen and reigning Christ, time to give him your heart and your life now. So if you just need to sit and be still and listen, if you need to sing at the top of your lungs, one of the things I like to remind, well, not that I I still think as a student pastor, a lot of times there's a lot of years I got to get out of that that way of thinking, but I think it's important for all of us. Why do we follow a sermon with a song? It's not just because we do it that way, but sometimes we don't have words. We've heard Jesus proclaimed. We've heard this truth. What do I do with it? I don't have words. Sometimes let this song just be your prayer. It's a mature believer in Christ who's written this out. So maybe let these words be, be your response to the Lord. However you need to use these next moments, I want to challenge you to focus in. If you need to talk to a pastor, we'll be available around the room afterwards. Rodney will be in Guest Central. We'll have other pastors that stay in this room. Slow down in this busy season before we face the next season. Heavenly Father, we give you this time. And we're confident that you hear us. We're confident that your arms are open to us 
because we're confident in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. So let our hearts and our minds rest in the truth. Father, let us point others to the fact that he is the way. And people look at us this Christmas season, this upcoming year. Let them see that Jesus is our life in real ways. Because it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.